Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 88. Boy, uh, it is the first week in December of 2021. Did you ever think we were going to make it to the end of 21? My goodness, it has been an interesting last two years. Um, let's see, let's get into it though. Uh, I did get a message this week saying, Rex, talking about a car from the year corresponding with the episode number is a great idea. Keep it going. <clears throat> no. It was not a great idea. I will not be continuing that, and I'm glad I squashed that immediately before it got going any further. Um, actually, it might have been my best idea as host of the show to stop that before it got going. No one really wanted me talking about a 92 Celica, and I didn't either. So thank you, but no, we will not be doing that. And um, the, the show got better, actually, uh, because of that not happening. Um, all right, uh, so moving on. Anyway, um, I hopefully we had Thanksgiving last week, so hopefully you all had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Hopefully you got to spend a little time, relax, hang out with the family, take a quick breather. Some of you got to race a little bit, which was great. Um, hope that went well. Maybe you got the permission from Mama to do that, which is good. That is uh, that is great. But now we are full on to Christmas. Uh, so that means, of course, that Mariah Carey will be blasting in every store you walk in for the next month. Um, and also the Black Friday sales came at you. And the Fast Brackets podcast is no different. If you watch the Fast Brackets podcast Facebook page, you notice that we put up a Black Friday sale also. 
the Fast Bracket Nation t-shirts are on sale while supplies last. And here's the thing about the Nation t-shirts. First of all, they are the most comfortable t-shirt you will own or your money back. I don't know how we did that, but we got it done. They are awesome and comfortable, super soft, incredibly. Secondly, this is the first run. So this is the first run of the Nation t-shirts. They are the OGs, the original gangsters, the originals. Once I run out, there will be no more of the red and white originals. They will be like Jordan's. They will be very rare and valuable. The next run, and I don't know when that will be, uh, but they're going to be different. The Gen 2s might be gray. They might be black. They might be green. I don't know, but it will not be red. So the way you will let people know that you were in early to the nation, you were a Fast Brackets listener early, and you got in was to get the gear. So you let people know that you were first, that you were in the nation early and you got the gear to show for it. The Gen 2 will be great, but it won't be the OG. So if you want what is left, and I think there are 20 plus t-shirts remaining, not very many, but there's a few left out there um, in different sizes. I think I've got all the sizes remaining still hit me up on Facebook Messenger or the email at fastbrackets at outlook.com. You know how to do that. But what you can do by getting one of the OG shirts is let the nation know that you were in early. And that's exactly what you want to do. You want to have a little bit of clout. And, uh, you know, the next generation will be great, but it is not the OG. The red and white ones... Um, I don't know how many Bitcoin they will be, but they will be worth some coin as we go on. Um, speaking of going on, let's get to it today. I have two great guests on for you today. First of all, Bruce Thrift, longtime top sportsman standout and top sportsman race promoter. Um, Bruce was kind enough to come on and was is great. He's absolutely great. And then also Tom Patsis. He's the owner and operator of Cold Hard Art. I believe he is our Bob Ross of drag racing. And he's an absolutely great listen. I'm excited to have him them on. And I'm excited for you guys to get to listen to him. All right, so let's get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute. Clean the shop. Work on that old heat, but more metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box, and I, let's talk about something I just cannot wait for. I'm so excited for... PRI is coming up next week, and I cannot wait. PRI, as you know, is the equivalent of kids walking into a candy store. Everything is looks unbelievable, is sweet, shiny, very, very cool, and um, I, I just cannot wait for it. Um, I, I'm excited about it every year. Um, plus, it is even more important this year, uh, even if you don't attend. Uh, to join PRI, it's it's incredibly important for all of us to do so. Um, essentially, what we have to do by joining PRI, and it's it's not a pricey endeavor, 
is uh, it allows us to unify and lobby together so the tree huggers don't out lobby us and kill our sport with a thousand paper cuts. And that's important because that's kind of what they're doing right now. Uh, the tree huggers are a little more organized than us racers. And PRI is is kind of rounding us all up, which is good to help us lobby against that. So so this year is probably more important than, than a lot of years going in. Um, on top of that, on top of seeing... Uh, all your rowdy friends that you have not seen in a month or so, on top of seeing the latest and greatest of all the new parts and services that the manufacturers and companies are rolling out for 2022, on top of being able to make connections in the racing community that you simply cannot make anywhere else, you already know. I hardly have to tell you that the Fast Brackets PRI live show will take place. Um, it's kind of a tradition at this point, and it is incredibly fun. Um, I hope all of you that are attending PRI will make an attempt to get over, uh, say hello, and potentially get on the show with us. So this year, we will be at the Ultimate Awning booth. Uh, that is booth number 4024. 4024 in the yellow hall. So it's right in the middle of the action. And we're going to do that Thursday at 3 p.m. Uh, so that's that's going to be really exciting. Um, we'll be at the ultimate awning booth at 3 p.m. So we'll go from 3 to 4 o'clock, so to speak, about that time. Um, and so if you are in the yellow hall and you're not at booth 4024 at the ultimate awning booth, I don't even know what you're doing, um, to be fair. Um, but um, you, what you should do is keep an eye on our Facebook page for updates. But uh, I'm excited to do this once again. And I'm excited that the Ultimate Awning uh, group welcomed us and allows us, give us a little space to do that. So I'm excited. Um, for those of you that have not listened to the live show before, it gets a little random. Uh, I never know exactly who's going to stop by or exactly what topics we're going to cover, but it is always great. We always learn something, and we always have a good time. Um, so we'll also have a new sponsor to the show that I will unveil at the live show. Uh, the new sponsor is, I mean, it's it's so good. It is so good. Um, it's literally an innovation to the sport um, and one that I personally am highly enthusiastic about. And I cannot wait to break it to you. Um, for those of you that just can't make the trip to Indy, producer Chris will work quickly uh, after the show to get it posted. Uh, so likely it'll be Thursday, right about the time, you know, let's call it 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, typically when the Wednesday podcasts are usually dropped, but it'll just be Thursday. So no show next Wednesday. It'll be the live show that will come to you uh, the following Thursday. So if you are at PRI, get your booty over to booth 4024. That is the ultimate awning booth. They make the best awnings in the business. Why wouldn't you be there anyway? I have no idea. But Thursday at 3 p.m. will be the live show for the fast brackets. And if you're in the nation, you should be there. So um, that's next week. Really excited about that. 
Um, you know, holler at me if you think you want to get on the show. You got something interesting to say. You know, let's let's not be bumping around. Let's have good stuff. Let's be entertaining and, and informative. That's what we try to do every week here on the show, and the live show will be no different. So really excited, guys, girls, uh, to do the live show once again at the Ultimate Awning Booth, booth number 4024 in the Yellow Hall at 3 p.m. on Thursday. All right, let's put this thing in the beams presented by AFCO Racing Products. On with us now. He's your 2009 Motor Shootout Champion. He's won the trophies in every major sanctioning body there is. IHRA, NHRA, PDRA, and ADRL. He's also coming off promoting... Uh, the most recently, the World Street Nationals. On with us now, Bruce Thrift. Bruce, how are you, my man? I'm doing good, man. You, you're uh, you're coming off uh, not only racing but promoting as well. Yes, sir. I've been for the last several years. I've been trying to to make Orlando the World Street Nationals uh, give us uh, the top sportsman racers a. Uh, a little something to shoot for. Uh, we started out; it was twenty five hundred, and then five thousand. The last couple of years, we've done a ten thousand to win. Sixteen cars. It pays back real good too. And Ozzy, he's just a super guy down in Orlando. Me and him work good together. And uh, we're trying to put something together up for March. I don't know yet. I ain't got any details yet to to elaborate on it, but uh, it's gonna be good too. Yeah, well, we we always talk about how um, you know it, uh, talk about how much money it costs to run these cars, and man, wouldn't it be nice to run for a little bit more money so that you know when you win, it pays. You know, it's a nice payday, and and you've done it down there. You've you've put together a nice payday. Ten grand to win is uh, for four rounds is a is a pretty good day in my book. Yes, sir. It was real good, Buddy Perkins. He won this year. Uh, it was amazing. He uh, he had a little luck along the way when he needed it, but in the final, he was seven thousand seven thousand package running three eighty one. That's amazing, right? I mean, <laughs> did you ever think uh, there'd be eleven thousand package going three eighty one when you first started racing? No, he was actually seven thousand. Oh man, man even he was, better. He was double o double o three on the tree, dead on with a four, right? You know, and he killed. He killed about twelve mile per hour, so he was on a breakout run. Wow, wow, that's impressive. But it's uh, it's crazy, you know, the top sports in the way, especially the PDRA. It's uh, it's just crazy how it's become. I mean, you got to go mid three nineties to qualify. I mean, we running down there, you know, close two hundred mile per hour, looking over to other car driving the finish line. And uh, to me, the best racers in in the business is is over there doing that right there. I don't disagree, and to be fair, I don't like it when I'm on the highway and people are going 50 miles an hour, looking over the shoulder at different things. And uh, you know, to to have the skill to do it at 200 miles an hour is just wildly impressive. Yep, like saying the thing about it, the cars. You know, well, you go to well, just like Orlando, for instance. I went down there, been going for years, and they'd all think that. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be consistent because my car is fast, and uh, it's just crazy, uh, crazy how good them cars is. You know, running that fast like mine, I think the faster you go, the better it is. 
Yeah, that's that's impressive. Well, take us back because you've been doing this a long time. Um, take us back. When was the first uh, trip down the drag strip you made? Oh Lord, it was over in Douglas, Georgia. I had a a seventy model Pinto with three hundred two in it. Couldn't afford headers. Had eight pipes run up through the hood. Just just out having a ball, open trailer. And I had a back then. It was a you had like street modified open class, and uh, it's come a long way since then. <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. But you've you've run in top sportsmen and top drags for a long time. When did you decide to make the the transition to go to, you know, fast bracket racing? Right. It was. I've always liked to go fast. Even uh, back then, you know, uh, I had a thirty two Bantam Roadster. I won the track championship with it. That was actually, I guess, my first legit real race car, and. uh it was actually a kit car bought all, bought from you from uh, J.C. Whitney, and I back half put the coilovers and ladder bars on it. And it was a it was a good old car. I run five uh, seventies with it, <clears throat> and I started uh, getting a little better motors. And it didn't like five twenties, and I I ended up getting a dragster after that. And I was the first one around here to go in the four nineties, and uh, then I. Me and I had me and a buddy of mine rivalries because neither one of nobody else could outrun either one of us, and uh, it went on for a long time like that. And he would put had Ron's toilet, he'd put nitro in it and everything else. And then when I I got me a bottle and that was the end of the dance, then <laughs> that was it, huh? He's like, "Well, I'm not going to spray mine." I'm like, "Well, you're not going to outrun me then." <laughs> <laughs> uh right um and and then um yeah so he you once you started running nitrous there was uh man then it, things got really fast right oh yeah yeah back then i say i had a 462 all aluminum small block it's actually a round track motor that i bought from tony clemens and changed the camshaft and put a dominator intake on it and uh like i say i was uh i was going i went dang uh 698 with a small block uh you know 25 years ago that's yeah, moving really that is moving back then. yeah and uh, as i've done that and i always wanted a door car but i just wouldn't spend the money that i need that i had to to get the caliber of door car i wanted i just didn't want you know just anything <clears throat> and i bought a 96 bretta from hunter yeoman 632 in it and uh after that, there's nothing like fast door cars. I've had dragsters. I've been fast in both of them. But the door car, it actually, it gives you that thrill every time you get in it where a dragster, you get compliance and just, you know, jump in it and, you know, roll down through there, you know. Right. Where the right. door car, it gives you it gives you that excitement every time you let go of the button. Man, after my and own I, heart, I've I get it. I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, that's it. Uh, the IHRA, you know, that was when it kind of, fizzled out that just left people like me with you know nowhere to go really in hra i mean to me that super gas cars with the throttle stop off you know i mean i just had never done anything for me you know because the challenge of having to go fast wasn't there no more since when ihra went the way they did and when the adrl cut back on the scene that was uh that was right up my alley you know I mean, like now, and that's all we hear is, you know, we just running, we just, you know, running the sport, you know, running fast as we are. 
But on average this year at PDRA, we had, on average, we had 65 cars and, and better at every race. Right. Amazing. So somebody, somebody's liking it. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, we, uh, like I say, uh, this year, I really had a tough year this year. Just little crazy stuff. You go through them. You know, I've been through it before where it just can't seem to get nothing going your way. All you can do is just keep chopping at it and keep going. Well, um, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about your car um, because it's it's been through. Uh, I know you made a big change here um, over the last year, but uh, talk about your car that you drive now because it's it's cool and um, the you know it's a great paint job for one. But uh, but talk about your car. Yeah, well, normally it was a it was Pete Burner's uh, Mountain Motor Pro Stock car when I bought it, and uh, so I run it for several years. I mean, it's just a good solid old hot rod. Uh, it'll uh, it'll just repeat pass after pass and and uh, three years ago four years ago I crashed at Gainesville uh, just just out there a thousand foot it just took off you know for no reason it just it just run top fuel I don't know if they was you know dump something on the track or what but anyway I'm running down there spraying two systems going six thirty and at the quarter mile about nine hundred foot it just took off to the right and got up on flipped over and slid about 900 foot upside down <clears throat> and when i redone it uh clayton murphy he redone all of it down at chassis engineer and he done a phenomenal job uh he stretched the wheelbase for me and then uh they got it back together and i carried it to aaron glacier from a uh, glacier C- collision center he runs top force and also sure. aaron does and he uh he done the paint job for me okay i had a something Pam Benoit, she helped me design it, and I give him, you know, the sketch, and I said, okay, this is just something to go by, do your thing, and uh, I knew it was going to be good, but I, I mean, he knocked it out of the park. I mean, when I first, when I went to pick it up, I mean, I pure teared up. I mean, it was just amazing at the craftsmanship that went into that paint job. Yeah, it's it's uh, wild but super cool. Um, I yeah, man, I can't yeah. even my my brain doesn't even allow me to imagine something like that. Um, and then to see it, uh, you know, those guys are just special in terms of. Uh, oh yeah, he he's an artist. He's not a painter. I mean, right, he's just amazing. And uh, like I say, he uh, he knocked it out of the park. And I won best appearing. I mean, I it gets a, it's probably one of the most photograph cars in top sports yeah simply because of the way the paint and all i mean it's real it's real friendly to photographers you know and right, right. it's a bunch of bunch of pictures uh, basically when the front end's about 16 18 inches up in there and the bullhorns is putting flames over the top of the car that's when it's really cool <laughs> that's right um and for our listeners what it, is that a um what what year it's a pontiac what is it 09 gto is that what well, it is it was 07 and then we redone it in 18 it's actually 18 now we put all new body in there but the body style was a 07 gto okay all right gotcha <laughs> yeah and and we redone uh, all of it at I had some busted places. We might could have fixed it, and I'm like, you know, the caliber card is. I'm not going to take away from it by doing that. So we just ordered a whole new body and put on it. Okay. All right. Gotcha. And uh, to walk us through then um, the powertrain a little bit. What type of type of engine? I know you're a nitrous guy, so um, we'll start with that yep. right off the bat. 
Uh, we got run up until this year. Uh, last year at the PDRA at the, at the World Finals, I went 397. I had a, a 798 motor, and I went 397 with three systems, and I was on the bump. So this year I decided that, you know, I was going to have to do something different. So uh, I got a 903, and it was a used motor, and it, you know, it's a good motor, but it's been beat up a little bit over the years. It's been a Chris Rennie's old motor. <laughs> pro nitrous motor and uh anyway it just had little stupid stuff like rocker arm break or just something that don't happen i mean not a steel mm-hmm. rocker arm mm-hmm. but just uh that's that's how the whole year's been and uh but it i mean i've been faster i went three uh 92 with it on three and uh like say 189 mile per hour and i got you know and even then i was running zero degree timing for about a second and a half okay get it off the start line because first you know you had converter issues because the converter is so much different with this thing and we kept trying to tighten it up to get it and then i borrowed one and uh went out and uh I didn't know what it was going to do, so we put a big timing curve in it to get it off the starting line, and then we got stuck there. The next race, it rang testing out. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it just goes on, and we got stuck there and never never really got to, to go out and really test on it because of just little issues we was having. But I think we finally got it now. And, uh, it's running good. And do and you have a power glide in it or turbo four or what? Uh, no, I went to 400. I went to 400 with the big motor. Okay. And yep, I went to a full FTI converter and transmission. Greg, he's he's another one that that always goes beyond, uh, you know, to make sure everything's like it ought to be, and he's never satisfied. He always try wants to make it better. And uh, Clayton, he comes and uh, he hangs out with us. He likes uh, he likes working with us because we'll try stuff for him. You know, I mean, you know, that don't matter to me. I mean, let's do it. You know, and right. if it don't work, we'll go back where we were. Sure. But if you don't do stuff like that, you you get left behind. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, Glenn, he uh, he stepped up, put a put a five three in his car this year, Butcher, and he uh, he's riding now too. He he uh, he's got it going on now too. But over there at the PDRA, it's a major chore. I mean, just to get in the field. Yeah, right. I mean, everybody don't realize what it takes to go from you know four ten to 395 or 99 as far as that goes they don't realize what it takes to get there i mean it's just it takes the faster you go it takes a pile difference to get a little bit right you know, right there ain't no bolting nothing on and picking up three or four hundred <laughs> right you know i mean that's over <laughs> you know yeah it's I exponentially mean, harder you know you know, we run in 390s. Our, several times this year, our bump was faster than Pro Nitrous. Mm-hmm. But then they run in low 360s, which is, you know, two tenths. But that goes to show you how much more it takes to get there. They run in six stages of nitrous lockup converters and 959 cubic inches. And, you know, they're a little better than two tenths faster than we are. Well, it, it, just, it takes a pile. Yeah, it it truly does, and um, and yeah, it's an exponential factor to go a little bit faster. I mean, as the faster you go, you have to, you know, um, I don't know, if great analogy here, but you know, you have to work twice as hard to go, you know, half as fast 
a little bit half as faster as you normally were, right? I mean, it's just it takes a lot yeah, more, right. and and um, you know, for the well, guys that are doing it, on top of everything too. You know, you got to stay on top of everything, checking every bolt, making mm-hmm. sure everything's tight. Because I mean, we going speeds now that you know that'll hurt you. <laughs> yes, yes, that's exactly you right. It's really step your program up and you know stay on top of everything and make sure everything's where it needs to be make sure you ain't got no leaks i mean mine goes in the air every time and we go under checking bolts checking leaks right stuff like that you know well it's i'm uh i've been doing this the thought portion i mean it's right what we're doing now i mean that's right up my alley i mean i'm about half crazy (laughs) down in orlando first time ever uh, I went 399 Friday night with my five-inch motor. Okay. First time I ever been in the threes. Unqualified. And I turned one system off. I went uh, four, 408s in a row. Sunday night in the final, I dialed 399 again. And I ain't never done it but one time. <laughs> yeah, in the final uh, Sunday night, I dialed 399 and went four flat with a zero dragging the brake. Oh, that's awesome. And everybody was, I told Mickey, I told him when we won first round, I said, if I make it to the final, I'm dialing 399. And uh, whenever I wanted four cars, he said, what are we going to do? I said, well, put 399 on it and leave the dial in paint in the trailer. That so is, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's some high-level bracket, I mean, nasty stuff right there when you can uh, – you know, go from down a 408 to a 399 in between rounds. And, uh, I mean, that, that well, all I done was just turn another system on, you know. Yeah. And uh, I was worried about breaking out because I, I went 99 with a zero. And I called Greg at FTI and asked him, I said, well, me, because I had to spot the car I was running two and a half seconds. Mm. Okay. So I'm asking Greg, with me heating the converter up, is it going to slow the car down? Or, and he said, no. He said, if anything, it's going to pick it up. Because it's going to be in the transmission put out and losing the converter up. Okay. Yep. So uh, he said, what I would do, he said, when I, I'd run down there when I got the mile per hour cone, he said, I'd lay my foot on the brake and just ride it out the end. And that's what I'd done. At 3.3 in the run, I had 400 pound of brake pressure out the finish line and went one off with a two. Beautiful. So and uh, what helped, too, the guy I was running, he was 004 and he was late. Okay. I was, I was triple zero when I let go. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's exactly how you draw it up, right? You, uh, draw it up so you can, and yep. you can run, uh, in the three. I mean, it's really amazing. I mean, to think about all the things that happen with that race car, um, in, you know, your car and the elite top sportsman category when you're doing all those things in less than four seconds i mean it's really phenomenal well, to that's think the thing, about it. and, and the, the people don't realize it's got to be parked in the same place every time right because right. if you're a quarter inch deep you read i yes. mean they leave so hard we're going you know sub one second 60 foot i mean uh you know i go 94 95 60 foot and if you a quarter inch deep you read right Right. Because they leave so hard. I mean, you've got to park it at the same place every time. And it just, it amazes me that we can be as good as we are, you know. <laughs> right, uh, to the thousands the of a second. Yeah, I'm the weakest link in the car, and that's the way I want it. Yeah. Um, just like dialing, you know, changing the dialing, going to the final. I mean, that's how good my car is. 
And see, I don't ever change anything. I mean, I go out and I'll run to get qualified, and then I slow down the race. You know, I'll turn one system off and race. And it's about to get to where you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because it's got so much faster. Well, it's, uh, you got a bunch, good bunch of guys. Dwayne Silas, he, he's just as good as they come. And I mean, that's what reason what keeps me going. You got Don Kluster out of uh, Kalamazoo. I mean, it's just a real close, top knit group of guys, you know, that hadn't started yesterday. I mean, they, everybody out there is good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's when you win, there's something to be proud of. And I know you've had a little right. bit of a frustrating uh year this year because you you know, you've had so much success in your career that uh when you when you fight some gremlins, um it's pretty frustrating. But uh do you have um anything you know, you, you went through some major changes last winter. What what changes do you have to make this winter, do you feel like, to stay competitive and to be, be able to compete with all these high-caliber guys? Well, I think over the year, we did that over the year. I okay. Mean, you know, when you buy a used motor, you just don't know. And now, I mean, everything in it's now brand new. I mean, and that's the thing. I have not won a round this year, but I hadn't lost but one round, if that makes any sense. Okay. Yeah. I give the... I broke out 2,000s on Buddy at the first race, uh, killing seven mile an hour, and I broke out 2,000s. But other than that, I have not been able to make it back up for competition. Ah, uh, okay. Because of the you. issues. You know, I mean, I have not lost not one round other than that one with Buddy. But I just, you know, didn't have a chance. Yeah. I mean, I I can take a beating, you know, but I won't at least be, you know, giving it a fighting chance. You sure. You feel like you, yeah. feel like you got them all? That's you feel like you got them all, oh, yeah. all the gremlins worked yep. out now? I think, I, I think, uh, I think we could, uh, like they, I probably Virginia was one of my biggest lows. I mean, we unloaded Thursday testing. I went, uh, 96, I shifted on time said RPM. I went 94, come back to some launch retard out, went 92, uh, 93 on one. I mean, on three systems. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Just put it in a box, you know? And I, I varied, you know, four or five thousandths on the tree. I'm like, you know, we had another time run, uh, test run. I'm not just put it up. We got it. Go out first round. I'm seven thousandths faster at qualifying run. I'm seven thousandths faster at 60. So I'm going 91. And uh, that gone rock arm broke. Ah. When it broke, see, then it wouldn't open the intake. It broke exhaust and it wouldn't open the intake. But then it bent the intake valve, dropped the valves. And that was one of the biggest lows that I've had in a long time, you know, simply because I, I mean, I really felt good about it Thursday mm-hmm. and then it just knocked you in the teeth again. And Scott, Parr, he, you know, I had that race coming up three weeks later and, uh, Orlando and, uh, Scott over at Parr racing engines, he, he got, he said, get it to me. And sure enough, he, uh, he got it ready and put back together and here we went again. Nah, that's great. Yeah. And in Orlando, I just was fighting this year. Just struggled so much this year. Uh, and I know, and I feel bad for Scott because, I mean, he turns it around for me and he's got so much work anyway. You know, and I, you don't need mine going in there every three or four weeks. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he, uh, I go out there and the first, I sprayed two systems. I ain't done that in forever. And I go out there and when the converter grabbed the motor, I thought something broke. Mm. And I lifted because see the converter's so tight it's made the spray three and four. 
And when I left on two, when the converter grabbed it, it pulled the motor down, and I thought something broke. <laughs> so uh, I God. lifted. And then the next round of all things, the daggone, uh, my arm toggle switch that I armed the nitrous with, daggone mm. it, started cutting on and off going down the track. Mm. And I'm like, you know, that's just how my whole year's been. A daggone, you know, $12 switch. Right. And it's cutting on and off, and I still, still went 406. And if you see the graph, you're like, well, that was at least, a, you know, four flat 401. Mm-hmm. And then I go up, and then Sunday up there, we lost our other qualifying run called the rain. So then Sunday went out, and air 54 degrees, and shook the tires, and the guy that I run shook them too. And I got back on it, and I'm running him down on my timers. I got them where they cut off at four and a half seconds because we always run eight for a mile. Okay. But anyway, I get back on it. I'm running him down. I got right up there to his door, and guess what happens? The nitrous timed out. And <laughs> cut the nitrous off. So it's just been kind right of there. a yeah, kind of a thing. <laughs> just crazy. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've we've all been there, I think. Um, you know, oh, this yeah. this it is ain't my first rodeo. I've no, through it before. No, you you've uh, you the year battled I won the Moser Championship, the one I won the Moser Shootout. I finished uh, second in the world on IHRA and I mean just making good runs all year long the next year I probably didn't I mean back then I raced 32 races a year too I mean I raced a bunch and I couldn't I couldn't win around I mean I'd be good packages and just could not turn the wind light off I mean the whole year of me running you know 30 races just the way it goes you know uh, you got to ride it until it comes back your way yeah I ain't, I ain't smart enough to quit. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, we all know that feeling too. If you're listening to this show, you know the feeling. That is that is for sure. Uh, but uh, it, I'm I'm glad to hear you feel like you know you've worked out those bugs. I mean, go anytime you go to a new combination, it just it takes a while. You've done that now. You're ready to do battle in the PDRA Elite next year. And um, you know, I appreciate your time today. And and I would say. Bruce, when you guys get things ironed out um, for anything you do down in Orlando again in the spring, please come on and let's let's talk I about will. how that all the stuff yep. goes on. Yeah, that'd be great. Yep. I said, that's the thing, too. I mean, I've been driving as good as I've ever driven. I mean, I've been letting go good, and I just, you know, just can't, just can't get it all together, you know, which, it, like I say, I've been through it before. But, I mean, I've been driving as good as I ever drove. I mean, just like it. At Virginia, I mean, I let go four times on the tree and buried uh, four, uh, six thousandths. And then I do crazy stuff, you know. Uh, I've been at this a long time. Just like when I qualify and they'll look over there, and I mean, my first pass, I'll be 10 on the tree. The next pass, I might, I'll be 50. Yeah. And because people pay attention to it, especially now that all of it's put on the Internet. I mean, so you, right. you got the app, you can look at everybody's run on the phone. Right. But once I know where I'm at, I'll put 40 in the box. Just to give people something. I'm 50, yeah. but I'm actually 10. You know what I mean? I know where I'm at. Sure, you know, yeah. Nobody else does, but I know where I'm at. Yep. No, that makes sense. If you roll up their first round and, you know, you've been double O and the whole time qualifying, then they get up on the wheel on you where if you over there, they think you've been 50. They might not set up quite as aggressive. Bruce, don't give your secrets away, brother. I mean, don't do that. <laughs> they know it. <laughs> yeah. 
No, that's that's. Yeah, but I, I do it all the time. You know, I'm just all over the place. But right. I know where I'm at. Yes. Yeah. It's just a good... the question is just the question. Does he know where I'm at? <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's part of the part of the competition, right? I mean, that's why we do it. The competition is uh, yeah. it it gets the blood moving, which is which is you know all part of this stuff. Well, um, well, I'm the same way. It don't matter to me. Just like you know, you get people that that wants the stage first or wants the stage last. It don't matter to me unless I know you want the stage first. Right, right. <laughs> then, then it becomes important, right? Or uh, at least a, right. a factor. If I know you a want factor. the stage first. Me and you fit. If I know you're going to want the stage first, me and you fit and run out of gas. <laughs> Right, because it right. don't matter to me. You know what I mean? It don't matter to me one way or the other. But uh, you find some of them that just likes to stage last. You know, yeah. And it's uh, you you got to know your competitor. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, Bruce, and this old man pays attention. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, Bruce, we appreciate uh, you coming on, talking yeah, to us a little bit, and um, wish you well over the winter. I know you, you know, you're busy as well, um, doing good things for the community and all that. And uh, man, uh, excited for what 2022 can can bring us. We gonna be in the hunt. That I, I know you are. I, I absolutely know you are. It uh, it takes that while you got it kind of narrowed, you know, broken down now and and in good shape. And uh, yeah, come on again if you don't mind when you get things uh, yes, hammered sir. out for next year. All right, I appreciate you having me, boss. All right, guys, girls, that I'll was keep the. Keep you posted on uh, what I'll keep you posted on what's going on in Orlando too at March because that will be a good warm up race for a bunch of people. Absolutely. If nothing else, get to Florida in March, right? That's a that's a good deal no matter yep. what. Yep. Yep. That's that's fantastic. Guys, girls, that was the great Bruce Thrift. Today's half track report is brought to you by dragracelawyer.com. And today, we need to talk about uh, the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman National Top 10 winners. And, and they deserve it. I mean, these guys went after it, and girls went after it all year long. And um, man, uh, quite the honor to put a single digit on your car at the end of the year. I mean, uh, or for next year. I mean, it's a, just and an unbelievable honor. And these guys, uh, had, it was great storylines at the end. And, uh, man, it could have shook out a bunch of different ways. But here's how it ultimately shook down in the NHRA Top 10, which was on the top dragster side, first of all, Blake Peevler ends up becoming your world champion. He ends up with 578 points. Now, we talked about that a little bit with Blake right at the end, and he had kind of taken the lead and was in great shape there and man just finished out the season. Danny Nelson was second, man, former world champ at 565 points um, and had an opportunity just um you know was was super close. I mean 578 to 565. I mean so it was incredibly close. Uh Danny being the gentleman that he is, congratulated Blake um all, you know as soon as the numbers were calculated and um, what a, what a great race that was. Ross Lloris, you've heard him here on the show as well, uh, 534, so not that far away. Jeff Strickland at 
533, comes in fourth. Um, I mean, just all those guys within striking distance. Anthony Bertozzi, former world champ, 524. Al Peevler, Blake Peevler's dad, uh, comes in sixth at 504. Um, so, I mean, you think about that. Think about uh, father-son making a run uh, at the national championship. Uh, Bradley Johnson, who we know had a mathematical chance going in the end, had to have a little bit of a minor miracle, but, I mean, had a chance at the end, 499 points. Holden Larice, uh, another father-son duo, gets uh, 492. And then uh, Darian Bosch, uh, last year's top sportsman world champ, 491. So Holden Larice and Darian Bosch uh, just... Uh, duke it out by one point there. And then Ryan Carlson uh, finishes top 10 at 480 points. So you can see all those top 10 guys within 100 points of each other could have went a bunch of different ways depending on you know a round or two here or there. But what a great group. Uh, man, former world champs in the mix right there. And Blake Peevler comes out on top as your NHRA top dragster world champion this year on to the top sportsman side you heard it here jimmy lewis uh just a few weeks ago he's your top sportsman world champ 589 points just him and paul mitzos come down to the wire i mean what a what a great way to do it i mean essentially on the last day of the year um you know Paul in the lead has a chance. Jimmy essentially has to go to the final um, and have Paul not go to the final, which is exactly how it had to work for Jimmy to get that championship. Paul, what a great year, 566 points. So not far behind Jimmy Lewis. Darian Bosch, last year's world champ, finishes with 514 points, one point better than Ed the Undertaker Open. Uh, with 513 so all of those guys right there in the hunt all with 500 plus points kurt frederick out of division three former uh division three champ there 490 points 40 sorry 492 points uh for fifth place vince hoda great year 472 points jerry albert 471 so vince hoda and jerry albert um i thought at one point in time jerry uh, was was sitting pretty like he had the car, um, had a chance to make a run, um, just a little short, but 471 points, amazing year. Uh, Doug Brazy and Alan Firestone tie with 459 points. And Doug Gerber finishes with 450 points. So uh, Jimmy Lewis, Paul Mito, um, you know, up there, had a great battle at the end. But the rest of the field, just killers in top sportsmen. So that is your NHRA top sportsman world championship points getters in the top 10. And both top dragster and top sportsman. All those guys, just murderers row, really. And congrats to everyone who finished in the top 10. Next week, as you know, uh, we will have a live show at PRI, so there will be no show to release on Wednesday. You're going to have to wait till Thursday next week. But uh, congrats again to the NHRA top sportsman and top dragster, top 10 and world champs.
Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just one minute here and bring on the owner of Cold Hard Art. He's also the winner of Metal Shop Masters on Netflix. He is what can only be described as the Bob Ross of drag racing. Please welcome to the show, Tom Patsis. Tom, what is happening today, my man? Hey, man, I was just, you know, just waking up and uh, putting my uh, put my hair up and trying to look pretty today for you. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of podcasting, right? You don't have to uh, look that great, so uh, you know. But, <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, you are working incredibly hard right now. I know that because. Um, every time I pop into your shop, it is packed and, and you're busy and you're working lots of hours because you're putting out, um, just incredible works of art, which is the name of your, your shop, cold heart art. But, um, let's go back. Um, I think a lot of listeners are probably aware of what you do, but, but let's go back and, and kind of take our listeners back to how you got started because you spent a lot of time in the drag racing world yeah i um i obviously my first job out of college was working at don schumacher racing and and a lot of people don't know this part but i actually started on whit baysmore's car and uh lee beard hired me i'm the i was the ninth guy on actually an eight crew team he wanted to try to get away with having one extra guy to kind of be a floater do everything and and i was actually initially supposed to be the uh bottom end guy and when you're supposed to torque, uh, uh, you know, um, bolts at the bottom at like 250 pounds and you weigh 130 pounds, that's probably not going to work out so good. <laughs> so then they moved me onto the, onto the, the funny car body and, and, uh, you know, take tending to that thing and, and doing wheel, uh, tires and stuff like that. And I go still, he goes, and then Don's like, you know, I can only really have eight guys on the team. So he's like, we're going to, we're going to have to let one of these guys go. Well, I'm going to see the newest guy and the littlest guy. And he goes, well, we're going to let you go, but. This is weird, but we're going to give you a choice for one of the places. We don't want you to leave because we like your work ethic. Uh, and so it, it actually, he gave me a choice of hospitality, you know, at, or working on the pro stock motorcycle team. So I kind of said, I didn't go to school to work on hamburgers. So um, <laughs> he actually, I picked the bike team. And I, at that time, had no idea anything about motorcycles. But again, it's just a, it's a vehicle with an engine. So that's very suitable for me. And I went to school for that stuff. So uh, I worked on the pro stock motorcycle team for uh, six years. So we had riders like Antron and Angel and then Matt Smith and Craig Treble. And the uh, uh, last one was uh, Chip Ellis before Don sold the bike team and focused 100% on uh, top fuel stuff. And then and then when the team went away, I moved into the fab shop and I um, you know, started learning how to you know uh, build funny car chassis and dragster chassis and putting funny car bodies together and all the other little, all the little trinkets that you may not think of but that need to be made you know, custom for these cars. So every time you see a funny car body blow up, you know, one of us is cringing going, just at least destroy it. <laughs> right. If you destroy it, at least we don't have to fix it. It goes up on someone's wall and we just build your brand. It's way easier to build a brand new one than it is to like section a whole front end on and, and do all that stuff. So, yeah, so that's where my, my whole, my whole world of drag racing for at least, at least 11 years was, was at Schumacher. I got, I got pretty lucky going, you know, coming out of school, getting put right into like one of the best teams with the biggest budgets and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So you have all that background, but your really passion was art, right? I mean, you're, you're at, at essence, you're an artist. 
Yeah, my I actually got it from uh, my mom was an artist. Uh, she passed away two years ago, but I still have the uh, the creative abilities that she gave me. And my dad is kind of a MacGyver like figure. Like he may not do something right, but if you're on the side of the road, he's the guy you want to have with you, and he always comes up with ways to escape bad situations and stuff. So he he does a pretty good. So I have that weird uh, never give up mentality and. Um, but yeah, so like the art thing was actually an accidental thing for the metal art is my boss on the bike team said, Hey, I'd want you to perfect the welding the way the fab shop would, would do it. This is before I'd move in the fab shop. And they said, you just want to have a guy also on the team that can repair stuff if we need to fabricate something on the road or, or create something or whatever. So he had me practice and I'd stay after work. Um, and honestly, my theory is if you're going to practice on making something or welding something, make it, make it something you'd want to keep because then you tend to work a little more better than just sticking two pieces together and welding them in going great throw in the trash. Um, right. so I did that for the longest time and just started creating like little things and being the idiot to post it online. And then the next person wants it next part. And then it just turns into kind of where we're at right now. And now I do this full time and it's, uh, busier than hell right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So what, what is the bulk of your business right now at cold hard art? What are you building the most of? It's, uh, I'd say 80% of what I do is building trophies and awards for God knows who right now. It's pretty much, I like to focus on motorsports stuff because that's just, that's what I, those are the people I love, you know, if it's sprint cars, and to NASCAR, obviously a lot of NHRA and drag racing. Uh, I mean, sometimes some car show stuff. I mean, just it just seems like car people is who I aim for. Um, but it's all it seems to be trophies right now, you know. But the cool part is I get to create these things for people. They they sometimes they give me a little direction. Sometimes they say, "This is our logo. Make this work with your trophy," and that's it. Uh, you know, I'm I just did a couple for the Travis Pastrana's NRX League. I did something earlier this summer for uh, Ray Everton here and Tony Stewart's SRX League, you know, and, and it's like those are those are the kind of emails and text messages I love getting going, hey, this is blah, blah, blah from here. And I go, oh, you know, you get a fist pump. And, it, you know, money is great, and, but last for about, it's get the, it's get the, who you get to do stuff for that really makes it fun. And when you're like a child that loves motorsports as a kid, to be able to say, oh, I just built, Ray, uh, you know, Jeff Gordon's championship crew chief trophies, or Tony Stewart has, your art in his kitchen and stuff like this. And it's just like, that's just, that's just cool. You know, very cool. Yeah. I mean, that's uh and, and you have, you've, I mean, I, you know, I follow you, um, on, uh, LinkedIn and, and we're going to get to your TikTok stuff here soon. Um, uh, because that you've, <laughs> you've really embraced the TikTok stuff, which I think is super cool. Um, I don't even know how to post anything and you're, you're doing uh high level stuff already, but, uh, um, just the fact that you, you know, you, you get to interact with, um, you know, the, the highest level of the sport and, and saying, and those people are trusting you, right? Those people are trusting yeah. you saying, Hey, I want something special for the people who earn this championship. Um, go, go do it. That's pretty, I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, yeah, we, since we're there, let's talk about TikTok. How how did you get started, and um, what what is your inspiration for that? Well, honestly, TikTok is new to me too. My Instagram is where my real game's at, um, and 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 a lot of people go, "How the hell do you have so many followers on Instagram?" And they go, "Well, I joked that I got on there on like day two of Instagram coming out because I like taking photos, and so I actually." Um, 
I actually just started, you know, posting my stuff. And it was like jokingly me and like three other people on Instagram. I'd like their, their posts <laughs> and I'd go, I'd go back to my life. But now Instagram is so, I think is I think it's the funnest one. I mean, I just started TikTok because it's like, I joked about, I was like, well, I don't want to get on something that has, you know, 19 year old girls dancing to stupid music videos. But I go, mm-hmm. it's another social media platform and you have to embrace it. Even the LinkedIn is, yeah, I take it more as a, a serious business. So I, I keep, I kind of, I don't get too crazy on that, but I go, you know, those are, those are people that work for big companies that are going to go, Hey, Hey, marketing guy, we need to get some trophies for this, you know, employee appreciation here at ARP or some, you know, motorsports related company go, Hey, I know I call this guy on, on there and he makes trophies and really goofy stuff and, and whatever. And like, let's get hit. And so it's like, you just kind of, it's like any business. You just have to have people be aware of what you do because you could be in the greatest shop in the world and build the greatest product. But if nobody knows what you do in that shop, you might as well just go home. So you really do have to embrace the whole social media, you know, do podcasts, you know, uh, do videos on YouTube, do videos on, on, it's weird, but it's, it's the new kind of standard for businesses. As goofy as I am, I have to embrace all this knowledge. <laughs> and, you know, and even working at, at Schumacher Racing, they have a certain way of, you know, when they have a sponsor, they have, you know, commitments to, you know, hey, we got Pennzoil, we got this, we got Mopar, we need to do this, this, you got to do videos. It, it's a full-time job, you know. It's all right. me that does right. it. I don't, my wife doesn't even do any of the photos. I got a tripod or I come up with dumb ideas. And, and it's amazing, like, how much work social media is for a business and even if it's a dead-on serious business you still have to be able to make people aware that you sell you know nuts and bolts or sheet metal and i've just i've been having fun with it and it and when, when you have fun with something it makes it easy to do but you also have to make it part of your routine every day you know i have to post a couple of things if it's a product on my my website or if it's hey this is the new trophy i'm building if i'm allowed to show it you know a lot of times people want you to they want to be the first one to show right. the trophy for yeah. their Thing. So you have to be, you know, you have to be conscious of, of that. And the same way with racing, you know, you got a new paint job coming out. You can't just show it. You got to let the sponsor show it or, or have it a key moment at what time. There's a strategy to it. It's, you know, it's as goofy as I am. I have to get serious about posting at the right time or po- not posting too early or let somebody else post first. And then, ta- you know, it's, it's weird. It's a weird business now. Well, I, I agree a thousand percent. And your, your point is, you're, point is dead on in the fact that like your work speaks for itself already anybody who has been around you seen any of the stuff you put out like they know hey this guy is a talented guy he's done it but you still have to do the marketing or nobody would know yeah and and one of the things that you've done from a marketing standpoint uh which was unbelievably cool was the netflix show metal shop masters i think we're allowed to say that you won it right we're we're now at this point we're allowed to say we're not we're not uh you know what's the what's the word um you know break any secrets yeah spoiler thank you (laughs) Uh, talk us through that how that show all worked because that's i was watching just rooting like crazy (laughs) so honestly again that sounds funny it sounds like that sounds like a real you must have gone through all these hoops i was like honestly they just messaged me via instagram (laughs) they said a direct message hey yeah they said hey this is not a joke this is a serious thing if you'd like to be involved in it please contact us and then with that you go through a whole channel of people you know you got to go through you know the the casting producer and then you got to go through this you know you got to go through a therapy thing where they make sure you're not crazy and gonna just go insane and not (laughs) or not show up or whatever and there's just a lot of chains chain a lot of people that you go through to talk to and then they said, yep, you're good to go. We're going to have you on the show. And 
you know, we're going to have you out here for three and a half weeks, you know, out in LA and, and you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to compete against six other people, uh, in a metal art competition. And I'm like, this is cool. And, you know, it's Netflix. So it's, it's pretty much legit as you can get. Um, one of the biggest names of the streaming industry. So that's, that was really fun. Um, yeah. And, and going through it, all the people were wicked talented and, you know, any competition you want to win. It's, it's, you know, you want to win. It's not, I mean, I'm a competitive person. So, um, getting involved with something that like it's metal art and it's a competition, it's pretty much like my background is racing. So I know all about pressure and time management and, and dealing with, you know, adapting to situations as the tops go by. Um, and it's stuff like that. It's, it, it was like, it was perfect for me. And so, you know, and I, you know, we make friends, we're all friends with each other. We still talk to this day. Um, but my goal was just to win. And the, the goal was, you know, 50,000 bucks. And I go, oh. right. If I'm gonna be out here for three and a half weeks, I better I better win some money, you know. Um, and so everybody was super cool. I, everybody joked though. They go, Tom, you weren't your same goofy self that we see. I was like, well, think about this: when you're standing next to your race vehicle in the staging lane, about to go up, and you got your uniform on, you are you are like a soldier, you know. You're like I'm not here to joke around. Like you know, you're no friends with everybody until you get to the line, right. and then when it's like your bikes the bikes, the cars, the stage, and you hate the other person, you know, until mm -hmm. you cross the line and everybody's safe, you know, it's okay. Okay. I can talk to you a little bit, but then, you know, so the same with me, I was like, when I was there, it was all about winning. So I was goofy from the moments when I wasn't trying to think about how to attack and how to create the next project and, and make sure I get to, you know, pass the next round. And I mean, it was like, I think my background kind of helped me because in the end I wound up winning the whole thing. And, and it was just like, wow. And it, it was one of those things. I build trophies for other people. I have actually never won a trophy for myself. Like, you know, I've won with, with Antron and Angel and all these people, but it's a team effort and they're the focal point. You know, they're the ones sure. who rode the bike. They did all the work. We helped the thing. But for once I actually won something where I guess you could say I was the driver or the rider. And I go, that was really, that was a little overwhelming. So like I kind of fell to my knees a little bit when they told me because it's just like, holy shit, I've actually won something. <laughs> you know, for no, myself. It, it was and, uh, absolutely an emotional moment. I mean, cool. it was emotional for me watching you get it, so I'm sure it was for you. <laughs> oh, a, man, it was it wasn't stressful because, you know, whatever happens, happens and I could I could I'm a I'm a good loser, I'm a good winner, whatever. Um, but it was like, wow, this just happened. I'm like one of the biggest stages for metal art people, you know, right now. It's like there's really not any other you know, they got Monster Garage, and there, but they don't have, it's not, it's not really a competition against individuals. It's like, hey, here's the time, get it done, and, you know, maybe you'll win a toolbox or something. But this is like, and a lot of people were like, oh, those shows are manufactured, and they do drama. There was no drama, because when there's money involved like that, it's like the lottery, right? You right. can't work at the gas station that sells a lottery ticket. You can't have your family members buy tickets because there's the conflict of interest of like, wait a minute, this guy knows when to buy tickets or whatever. So the thing with this show, there was no manufactured drama. I didn't think there was that much drama in it. There was a little bit of stress and pressure on individuals to perform, but it was it was what you saw was real, and that was the cool part about it. Like they didn't they didn't add somebody in to screw something up or take time from anybody. Even when we did our interviews during each thing that you had, say, 15 minutes to do an interview. Well, if you're really good at interviews and you get done in five minutes, well, you, you have to sit at the door for 10 because we can't give you those extra minutes. And if Tom goes out there and butchers up his interview, then, well, get, he does this full 15 minutes, and then maybe after this, after, after this round is over, we'll finish talking to him afterwards. But 
you know, they, they, there was no advantages given to anybody. There was, you know, there was no drama of, you know, oh, we hit something from somebody. And, you know, you always get that, those little things that people put on their reviews. And I go on the reviews of shows and I go, yeah, that's, that's yeah, you're, you're probably not too correct. You weren't really there. So <laughs> right. I kind of understand, I understand that. So I go, yeah, well, if you were there, maybe you could talk, but I only know there's, there's only seven people that were on the show. So I know those people know the same thing that I do. So. Uh, but it was super fun, man. I've never been in like with racing. You got cameras around and you do an interview here and there, but you're never really the the focal point, like as a crew guy or something. So to get to do that was it was uh, it was it was a little nerve wracking, just so I didn't you know start, say my name wrong. But it was uh, it was super fun. <laughs> well, that that's that's a great point. Is and I've always said this. I mean, I I don't know why a lot of people watch these reality shows because any type of competition is better reality than anything anybody can write up right that is uh uh what do they say um truth is stranger than fiction and in terms of that i mean the competition is is better you don't have to make anything up um and and you but i'll i need to ask you this um because i just was curious about this so you made i think six there are six different episodes you make six different pieces of art especially yep. then the, the golf cart. So do you get to keep uh, the stuff you made and or the golf cart? Well, they they obviously didn't let us keep any of the stuff. I, I think some of our uh, sculptures, like um, like I think my robot is in the lobby of the production company that made the show, which is cool. You know, they I mean, theoretically, they own it. You know, it is their stuff. We signed the paperwork and anything okay. we created there. And they also needed to keep it for the post-production uh, because they did a lot of uh, diagrams and you know, sketches of each one. So I needed it. And I go, you know, it's like, I'm most, for me, at least with my art, I get done with something. And then most of the time I get sick of looking at it. (laughs) Like I, I'll keep samples of trophies in my lobby. I'll build an extra one as I'm building it. But I'm really not one of those like people that really, I just, I mean, I'll, I'll keep my wife and my kids. But other than that, it's like, I don't, I don't get too attached to stuff. So when I build like the robot, yeah, I thought it was cool for about 10 minutes, but after sitting there looking at it, you're going, all right, I could have done this better and done this better. So then I would just think about building a different one. And, you know, I have so much time to not build anything for me. So I just go, oh, the customers get what they get first. And if I have time, I'll build something for me. But no, I mean, I have all the, I have like templates of that thing, that robot that I built, but the car, I drove it probably 10 times to, you know, you got to, you got to drive it in this little studio and it's tight, it's dark. The thing's got slits for windows. There's no light inside. <laughs> then I have to right. park it and get it on my mark about ten times. And we did that to make sure, you know, I didn't run into anybody. But then that's like, no, I didn't. We didn't have any time to, to drive it, or you know, I don't, what the hell would I do with it? You know, <laughs> like it's one of those things. People, everybody says that you should, you should kept it. I was like, well, I, what would I do with it? Uh, and I, I have no idea other than you know, if the zombie <laughs> couple, you know, whatever comes after us, yeah. the zombies come they, get us then. See, that is difficult to say. Everybody's like, why'd you cuss when you said, I was like, you try saying that on TV five or six hundred times. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. Uh, no, that's that's interesting stuff, and makes perfect sense. Um, and for just for our listeners, what's the best way um, for people to check your stuff out and uh, get a hold of you if they if they want to, you know, have you make some stuff for them? Like uh, obviously, if you go on any social media, like any social media, just look up Cold Hard Art. Um, and if you're interested in getting something, you email me. Email's the best, so I can document what you said. Because I'm 40 years old now, and I forget things. So if you told me you wanted something this big by this big by this date, 
I'll probably confuse all that and you'll get it a month later and it'll be, you know, a foot shorter. So everybody just email me at coldheartart at gmail.com and that's just the safest way to get your order through. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, at this point, if I don't write it down, it, it never <laughs> happened. It just never happened for me anymore. And I exactly. don't know what that says about me, but uh, that is absolutely true. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm guessing, uh, you know, if somebody called you now and said, hey, can we get something for Christmas? I mean, are you, uh, what's your capacity? I mean, I'm guessing Christmas is gone for you right now. Well, well, right now, Christmas technically is gone unless I really, really, really like you, is my goal every year I take on being Santa for other people. Like like I should, my business is making stuff. So if you wanted a replica of a drag car, I actually would have to say no for this Christmas because after the 15th, I actually want to stop working on other people's stuff. And every year I'm working till Christmas Eve, like Santa, um, building stuff for people last minute that have called. And I actually never get to enjoy Christmas. Yeah. I don't get to go Christmas shopping. I don't get to actually do anything or go anywhere with my wife and my little girl. So I go, right now, I've worked my butt off. I've worked till 7 a.m. for the past couple days in a row and, you know, and, and all that. So I get all screwed up on my sleep schedule and time and stuff. And, you know, working, sometimes I work 19 hours a day and I just, I'll take a nap and get up and get out. And I go, that's probably not too healthy. So I actually want to enjoy Christmas. So after the 15th, I'm just going to work on cleaning my shop up, going Christmas shopping doing whatever my wife and little girl want to go do for the Christmas season and stuff like that. So, yeah, so I, if you want something now, it's going to be 2022. So think about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, that makes perfect sense um, because your stuff is so good that, uh, I mean, I, everybody wants, you know, wants some action and they want some cold hard art. And I can tell you, um, I've I've bought the Christmas tree version of, as a gift for Christmas before, and it just it's just a cool, cool piece to have. Um, in an office or whatever it might be. Um, guys, girls, that was the owner of Cold Hard Art and Thomas Patsis, if you need him. As we hit the mile per hour cone, I just want to say it's essentially the off season at this point i know some people um, still have a few races to get in if you're down south um, or you start your season early um, but what i want to know is if you're making some changes if you're making some changes to the hot rod over the winter i want to hear about that um, i think we would all be appreciative and have a little more tech side on uh, on the show each week so if you're doing um, any changes to your car i want to know about it i want to highlight it and then have you on and talk a little bit about changes and um, why you did it uh, what do you expect to accomplish and and what type of things are necessary in order to make that jump and get to the next level so uh, kind of a call out here if you're making changes to the hot rod Get in, send me a message, let me know. Love to hear about it. And I know the rest of Fast Brackets Nation wants to hear also. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 88. 
There it is. There's the Winlight and Gloria. It's so good. It's so good. I know you like variety, but go with what works. And that is Gloria. Man, it's so good. Um, guys, girls, we had a great week this week. Uh, first of all, we're getting ready for the PRI live show next week. Super excited about that. Um, we have also the OG Fast Brackets Nation gear for those who know uh, that's on sale. So get that if you're in. And then we also had great guests on. I mean, Bruce Thrift, longtime top sportsman standout and ambassador of the class. I mean, really, um, he does a great job with that. And, and he got real with us about how tough this sport can be, both from the mechanical nature of figuring out a new program and how tough the competition is out there. Um, so appreciate Bruce for doing that. And Tom Patsis, Cold Heart Art, really the Bob Ross of drag racing. Just a cool dude and the guy to call if you need something special for your series or a sponsor, etc. Great stuff uh, from both of them. If you have comments, questions, or curse words, you know there are three ways to get at me on the Facebook page using Messenger. You can see me at PRI next week, and you can use the email fastbracketsatoutlook.com. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. week at PRI that's that's pretty exciting that everybody's getting back together and meeting in person and and that I've never been to PRI I'm looking forward to it oh man first first of all you're right uh first first things first it is great that we're able to get back in front of each other shake hands look each other in the eye like I don't know what that says about us humans but it is better than talking on the phone it's better than seeing each other on video chat and that is awesome. So that is good. I'm sure there'll be protocols in place and all that stuff, and that, that makes sense. But it is really good stuff. Second of all, Chris, I mean, PRI. PRI, man. Um, this is going to be so much fun. There, There's so much cool stuff there that the manufacturers and suppliers break out that it is It's pretty good, brother. It's pretty good. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Uh, Thursday at 3 or something like that. We're going to do a live broadcast. Yeah, Thursday, 3 p.m. at uh, the Ultimate Awning booth. I mean, people just need to get there. And there have been great guests that have popped by in the past. So I expect no different this year. 
so they can find you live on Facebook and YouTube channel, or what are you thinking? Well, no, what we do is we'll just release the episode. We'll record it, and then we'll release it almost immediately after we finish. So it won't be exactly live, but it is close to live. Um, there's, not, there's no, uh, Chris, you don't have any editing to do, so that's good. Let's go, Brandon. See you at PRI. Right. Today's episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal. Deliver high-quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer manufacture and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, Think AFCO Racing Products.